We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. Kittle is going to go. Touchdown. What is going on, folks? Welcome to another episode of Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. This week's episode is brought to you by Untuck It quality shirts that are designed to be worn untucked. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for NinersNation.com. Joining me tonight, as always, is my co-host, former NFL defensive back and all-around good guy, Eric Crocker. How you feeling, brother? Man, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. We're almost there. How are you doing? I'm good, man. Starting to get a little antsy. You know, starting to like, kind of like, you know, feel that adrenaline of a of a, of a football game coming up, you know, like, and you, you can appreciate this. Like I can, like I, when I get near football games, like I approach them from so many different levels. I didn't play as much football as you, but I played it, you know, through high school, I coached it, you know, and then obviously we do all this stuff we do here. And so like every time a football game comes up, I have all these like different emotions, like, you know, that, that go, that they go all different directions. So yeah, once, it's uh, once kickoff is like, like, I feel like I'm about to play in a game. Right. That's yeah. That's kind of what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. And it's like you just you feel like like you have and 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 rightfully so. You know, we we spend a lot of time talking about the 49ers and breaking it down and talking about what they did right, what they did wrong, and you know everybody you know is emotionally invested in these games and in some way or another, whether you you want to admit it or not. And so it's you know it's a big deal, and I still feel like we talked about this earlier in the week. Um, 
I still feel like I haven't quite wrapped my head around the fact that if the 49ers win this game, they're going to the Super yeah. Bowl. And, you know, I think the the hardball years, you know, it, it was like that was a great run. But, I mean, really, like, the the facts about it. Because I'm going to this game. I'm actually missing my first 7-7 tournament. We have a tournament Sunday. And I'm missing it to go to the Niners game. And it's like, man, you know, I started thinking, and it's like, this is like a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And, and it seems like, you know, we're, we're going to be, you know, a good team and going, you know, back to the – playoffs and championships and all that but you just really don't know and I started like kind of putting it in context with like my my brother's a Dallas Cowboy fan and he hasn't seen the Cowboys in the NFC championship game since 1996 well and it was actually 95 season so you know it's been I mean how many years is that over 20 years all right yeah that's yeah that's a really yeah long time. so you know it's like you know we've, you know, everybody like invests a lot of time in watching the Niners, um, especially now more than ever, like dissecting the 49ers and their favorite team. And, you know, these opportunities don't come often, man. So yeah, I- I'm just excited. But well, there is one thing that kind of like has been like annoying me, I guess a little bit. I don't want to use the word annoying, but the the thing with people like, hey guys, re- respect, respect the Packers. Like don't, don't get too overconfident. Like, why the fuck does it matter if we get overconfident? Like we're just fans. Like we have, <laughs> we have no outcome. Like I, me by nature, like I'm a shit talker. Like I, I talk trash. If I post videos of like me, like my highlights and stuff, like you're gonna see me talking trash half the time. Like that's what I do. So fuck the Packers. We're gonna beat their ass. Like there, <laughs> there's no, <laughs> you know, like they're overconfident. Like hell no, nah, man. Beat their ass. Now I respect Aaron Rodgers. We all do. Great quarterback. But at the end of the day, you know, you know, as a fan, speaking from a fan's perspective, beat their ass. What's funny is you remind me of my buddy I used to play beer pong with back in the day because we would play and in every sport I've ever played and every game I've ever played. For those of you that don't know, I play a lot of Xbox. I play Xbox with a lot of 49ers players, but I used to play. I, I played competitively to the point where. At one point, I had to make a decision on whether or not I wanted to finish college or if I wanted to play video games professionally. So I was very good. And even when I was that good, I never talked shit, ever. I just felt like it was always like like karma, you know? Like I felt like once I start talking shit, then it's going to turn around and bite me in the ass. And I was the same way with, with my buddy who we play beer pong with all the time. He just had a nonstop mouth, nonstop. And I would never say a word. I would just stand there and sink buckets, you know, and, and do my thing. And and it was just funny because I used to always tell him, like, sometimes be like, dude, shut up, man. I'm trying to win this thing. Shut up. Like, <laughs> and he would just be rolling. And it's just a, it's just a mindset, you know, and it's, what's funny is that it's like, I feel like right now we're like the striking gold yin yang where like you're the like extreme shit talker, like let's go. And I'm like, hold on, let's just be respectful guys. Let's talk about this in a civilized manner. And you're like, no, fuck that. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) And it's, it's just funny, dude. That's funny that you say that. But what, speaking of being a fan, this is going to be an interesting game because as, as most of you know, um, Normally, when I go to games, I'm up in the press box. That's that's what Niners Nation hired me to do. Well, as the 49ers got into the playoffs, the amount of seats that are available in the press box becomes a lot less. You know, they're a lot harder to get because more people are going to games. It becomes much more pressing. And so Niners Nation usually during the season was was given two seats, one for KP, my editor, and the one for me. And KP lived in Arizona, so he couldn't always be there. 
Well, once we got to the playoffs, they said, okay, well, you're only allowed to have one seat because we can't really afford to give you two of them anymore. And of course, KP decides that, oh, I'll start going to games now that they're in the playoffs. <laughs> and so your boy got, your boy got knocked out of the press box. But in this, in this, at this game, and me and Cooker just found this out before we recorded the last podcast or after, I can't remember which one it was, but we're both going to be, the, the 49ers have this little gold rush section that's like in the concourse on the south side of the stadium, right next to where they moved. They, they used to have it down on the field, but now they have that little handle that, that the guests will press to sound the foghorn. It's like right by there. And it's in that big opening on the south side. Well, me and Crocker found out last day, we're, we're both going to the same section. We both got invited to go there. And so, you know, the reason I brought this up is because I like, it was talking to Crocker. I'm like, how do I behave, man? Because I'm, I'm, you know, I'm so used to just, you know, covering the team in a professional way, unbiased, you know, if they suck, they, you know, all this stuff. And now I got to go sit in the fans and I might have to like reach down round down deep and pull out that, that inner fan that, that got me into the business a few years, you know, three or four years ago and, and, and freak out. Cause dude, it's the NFC championship game, man. Like I was trying to tell uh, my girlfriend who's going with me, like you have no idea the energy you're about to experience. This is the game to go to the Super Bowl. This place is going to be deafening to the point of permanent <laughs> hearing damage. Like she just, she doesn't understand every seat will be filled and 90% of the people there will be 49ers fans. And it's just going to be nuts. And so I was trying to, you know, explain to her the, 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 the gravity of the situation. But she, she won't right. understand it. Yeah, my, my wife, um, you know, she, she'll be with me. You know, we'll, we'll probably all be sitting together. But um, even she... Like, we have to. Otherwise, all the girls will just bug us. You know? <laughs> like, we have to put the two girls together so that, that we can do our thing and... You know. Yeah, and my wife, she's a she's a Raider fan, but um, even she's looking forward to this like this experience of you know just being able to watch the 49ers in the championship game. She actually bought like a Raider, I mean a 49ers sweater, and I'm like, wow, man, like you really do love me. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, man. I mean, if you ever had any, if you had any questions deep down, you know they're they're gone now. Yeah. But yeah, so the closest game that I've ever been to, probably with this energy level, was I was at the last game at Candlestick, which, and that was obviously everybody knows the pick of the stick now, and you know even before that, the energy level in the game was was nuts. So I think that this game will probably be the closest thing to that, and obviously surpassing that. But you know, I've never been to a playoff game before. Uh, the the all the time throughout all the time I've covered the 49ers, they've never been to the playoffs. My first game in the press box was the day they fired Chip Kelly and Trent Baalke. So, and I think me and Chris Biederman, who, uh, who does the uh, Candlestick Chronicles podcast, also on the Blue Wire Network, he, uh, I think me and him published like 22 articles that day because it was just nuts. The 49ers finally cleaned house and, and did their thing. But anyways, we, we digress. Should we talk about the 49ers and the Packers? Do you think that would be important? Yeah, I think that's why, that's what they want to hear. I think that's what they're Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, hopefully if you've managed to stick through that, all that randomness from gaming to whatever, I don't know what we just talked about. But all right, so the 49ers are, are it's 49ers Packers round two for the, uh, for the divisional championship, the NFC championship, and the, um, you know, and the right to go to the Super Bowl. And, you know, the, the, the overarching kind of conversation piece that, you know, throughout the week is, well, the 49ers whooped that ass in week 12. So, you assume that they're going to maybe do it again. But, you know, like like Crocker was saying, everybody's kind of wanting to temper their expectations. But the Packers are in a rough spot because 
at this point in the season, sure, you can add some new wrinkles, some new plays, some new things here and there, but you kind of are the team you are. You are what you are at this point, and you're, you have to play to your strengths because if you don't, and I think Kyle Shanahan said this earlier this week, you're putting your players in a bad spot. If you're trying to add new things right now and, and rep it and, and get it to where they can do it in an NFL game, you're putting them in a tough spot. So you kind of are what you are at this point. And like I said, that doesn't mean you can't change things up and add new plays, but it's it's tough to do with only, you know, especially for the Packers who only have a week, to, you know, a shorter week to prepare. So the first time we'll start by kind of brief, briefly touching on the first time they played, which was one of the most lopsided games the 49ers played all year. Um, they in week 12, the 49ers beat the Packers 37 to eight. And it was just a, a the story of the pass rush. Really, the, the 49ers defensive front just got after Aaron Rodgers all game long. They sacked him five times, I believe. And. It was just, and, and you know, if I had the pro football pro football focus numbers in front of me, I'm sure the pressures, the amount of pressures they got were just through the roof because they got five sacks, but they got like 10 quarterback hits. So even when Rodgers wasn't, they, we weren't getting him down, he was getting hit. So, I mean, if you add, the, the sacks are a part of that stat. But so on top of the five sacks, you had five times where he was getting hit. The 49ers had like four or five tackles for loss. It was, it was gross. You know, the, the Packers were just completely outmatched. They only scored one touchdown and then converted on the two-point conversion, and that wasn't until the third quarter. I think KP over at Niners Nation tweeted something to the effect of, like, the Packers didn't cross, like, the 50-yard line until at some point during the third quarter, probably during that drive. So it was about as one-sided as a game can get. And on the 49ers side of things, they kind of just – you know, they did what they want. Raheem Mostert, you know, had, had six carries for 45 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Tevin Coleman had 39 yards and a touchdown. It, what, what's interesting, and you could tell me if I'm, if I'm off here, Croc, but to me, the 49ers playing the Packers reminds me a lot of the 49ers playing the Vikings. I mean, now Aaron Rodgers is a much better quarterback than Kirk Cousins, but it's, they're both offenses that are, they're very predicated on running the ball. Um, we saw that when the Packers played the Seahawks and I feel like the 49ers game plan, and we'll get into this a little later for stopping the Packers is going to be very similar to what they did against the Vikings. So it was really just a, an ass whooping any way you look at it. Um, it was Aaron Rodgers worst game of his career. I think he threw for like three point something yards per attempt um, I've got it right here. 3.2 yards per attempt, which was the lowest mark of his career. And, and that's saying something, you know, that's, that's nuts. And so do, you know, do the four dance replicate that? What were your, some, what were some of your takeaways from the, the first time they played Croc? Yeah. I mean, that was, that was one of my biggest takeaways. You know, I, I think obviously, I think I was a little bit worried about Jones, the running back. Um, you know, I had just watched, him against the Dallas Cowboys. I'm like, man, he had like four touchdowns. He was catching touchdowns. He was running in touchdowns. I'm like, man, like that that guy might be the difference. But the 49ers definitely didn't let him be a difference at all. And that kind of, you know, really put everything on Aaron Rodgers' shoulders. And I don't think this Packers team is not the Packers team of old, you know, with Greg Jennings and Donald Driver and, you know, just all those great weapons and, you know, a solid defense with Clay Matthews getting after the quarterback and, it's not that same Packers defense. So, um, you know, this defense, yes, they, they do have two stud pass rushers, but a lot of what really goes on in this game falls on the shoulders of 
Aaron Rodgers. And I don't think that's how they want to play. I think they want to play more compliment. I don't want to use the word complimentary football, you know, with the quarterback, but you know, run the ball, you know, play action. And they really want to do a lot of that. If you look at his numbers, you know, these aren't, they weren't great numbers this year, but you know, they, they, they want to kind of uh, take the ball. I don't want to say out of his hands, but just kind of sparingly use Aaron Rodgers. And when they're forced to use him all the time and they've been having, um, you know, pass protection uh, issues this, this season, that's when they get in trouble. And, and that's what the Niners did. They take advantage of that. They turned the ball over uh, right away with the sack and the Nick Bosa recovered it. And from there, it was just kind of like a downward spiral where they were trying to play from behind. And I don't think they have to, they definitely have the quarterback to play from behind, but I don't think that's the style of football that they want to play. And I mean, nobody wants to play from behind. So, but I mean, in the sense of like, they, they really this year more than any other year that I've seen an Aaron Rodgers led team leaned on a rush attack. Right. And, and that kind of gets me into, you know, I, I do want to talk about a little bit. I don't, I, I keep like wanting to get into like previewing the, the, the next time they're going to face, but I'm just kind of looking at the numbers here, seeing if there's anything to, to glean from it. Um, the one thing that is interesting about their first time they matched up is the 49ers had this much success, but they did not have Joe Staley. Uh, they did not have Quan Alexander. And there's one big name in there that I'm forgetting that they didn't have as well. And I maybe I hit it. I've got it in my notes. I think they might. Did we have Tart? Uh, they, well, okay. The big name. Yeah, we had Tart for that one. He hadn't gotten hurt yet. The big name I'm forgetting is D, D Ford. You know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so the 49ers were able to get after Aaron Rodgers um, extensively without D Ford. And they were able to do pretty good on offense, keeping Jimmy Garoppolo clean without Joe Staley, which as we saw, the 49ers were able to endure that absence pretty well. Zadarius Smith, who's far and away the Packers' most impactful impactful defender, um, he ended up with six tackles, a sack and a half, and a few quarterback hits. And he was, you know, the, the Packers as a whole only managed three sacks. So it wasn't a bad game by any means for the offensive front, and they get Joe Staley back. So they're in a lot better shape to pace the Packers now than they were the last time they played them, and they whooped up on them. Now, again, and, and Kyle Shanahan was very clear about this. Just because you've beaten somebody that bad before, it, it means nothing now. It is basically what he was saying. Now, I, I don't think that's entirely true. You know, it, to me, it sets the stage for for what the 49ers can do that can do to the Packers. It's not it's not a coincidence. But the Packers are getting. I know they're at least getting Brian Belaga back, who um, is is you know one of their premier tackles. So having him back is a huge deal. I know that Brandon Thorne, who I follow on Twitter, is always breaking down offensive linemen, and, and he thinks Bulaga's at the very least a top ten tackle. I think he, he even thinks maybe like top five. So getting him back, he was he played against the 49ers, but I think he left in the first quarter. So that was a huge deal. And I remember even Nick Bosa saying like right when he went out and he's like, okay, I'm moving over here. You know, he, he moved to that side and, and Bosa had a pretty good game. You know, he, uh, he was, he had a sack and that was for nine yards. He also had a tackle for loss. He had a fumble recovery that he almost scored on. He almost picked it up and scored, but he got tackled right away. So to me, it's just a matter of, you know, the, the Packers are going to struggle to keep that from happening again. And it's not a matter of, 
you know, they're going to have to – the 49ers have kind of backed the Packers into a corner because the 49ers are going to be able to look at that Packers game and say, okay, if you were them, what would you do to keep this from happening again? And I guarantee you a health down the 49ers game plan will revolve around what adjustments they think the Packers are going to make to ensure. I can guarantee you one of the biggest things the Packers are talking about, and they did it pretty well against the Seahawks um, in the playoffs, was moving the pocket and not having Aaron Rodgers just drop back. One of the biggest problems in that first game was obviously that their, their, off, their offensive line had issues, but a lot of times Aaron Rodgers was just drop, dropping straight back, and he was hanging back there until he had a target to hit. And even Nick Bosa said after the game, like, it was phenomenal because they had just gone up against Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray. And he just said it was phenomenal to have a quarterback that would just sit back there. He even, even mentioned Aaron Rodgers' like loose sleeves because <laughs> he can grab onto him. Um, so it was interesting. And, and so the 49ers have backed the, the Packers into a corner of, of being forced to adjust to such a lopsided game. And it, it definitely, the 49ers are smart enough. They, they have a very intimate knowledge of Matt LaFleur, LaFleur, uh, the Packers head coach. He's very good friends with Robert Sala, 49ers defensive coordinator. He worked with Kyle Shanahan. There's, there's a lot of intimate knowledge going both ways. But I just feel like the 49ers have kind of pinned the Packers into into making specific adjustments to ensure what happens the first time doesn't happen again. And I feel like the 49ers might be able to stay one step ahead. Um, it was just interesting. You know, it's, it's interesting. And obviously, one thing we should probably talk about before we start previewing, you know, the, you know, and we're kind of doing that. We're kind of seamlessly doing that right now. But is the 40, the Packers played the Seahawks uh, at Lambeau Field um, during the uh, divisional round. And it was a, it was a decent game. It was the most Seahawks game ever. You know, obviously you would, it was just the Packers went up early and then I was there. We have a, we have a group trap group chat with Kyle Madsen who runs Niners wire, Chris Biederman of the Sacramento Bee, uh, me and Jared Brown who used to write for Niners wire. Um, we all used to write for Niners Wire at one point, so that's why we created the group chat. And and Aaron and Chris texts the group. He's like, "Hey, this is gonna." I think at one point the the Packers were, were up like twenty one to to three or something. And and Chris texts the group and was like, "Yeah, this is gonna be a one score game. You you better believe it." And of, of course, everybody agreed with him. And sure enough, that's what it was. But did you uh, did you have any like anything that, that that immediately pops out to you to that after that Seahawks game? No, I, I mean. I think just kind of same thing I thought before. You know, you can't let the Smith brothers take over the game. And I think they both had a sack, if I remember. I'm not looking at stats or, or box score or anything right now. But I think – I believe they both had a sack in the Seattle game. And you just can't – and I think uh, – They both had two. Okay, so yeah, so they both had multiple sacks. And the one right. with the dreads, I think he had like a 11 hurries, I think I saw, or something like that, 11 pressures. So you can't let these guys take over the game. And I think that's the biggest that, – that, to me, that's always going to be the case. Um, it was the same last week with Everson Griffin and Hunter. It's like you can't let these D linemen take over the game. And if they don't, you, you'll be fine. Um, that, that's the key to me to just – it's really hard to beat the 49ers if you don't get legitimate pressure all the time on Jimmy Garoppolo. And if you saw the – I mean, you guys saw it, but the, the first Seahawks game – that was the difference. There was constant pressure on Jimmy Garoppolo. Fast forward to the second game, there was no pressure, right? I mean, he completed every pass in the second half. Uh, he, he was extremely efficient. 
So to me, that's the that's the biggest difference. Can can the 49ers just protect and not let those two guys take over the game? Because and if they don't, I mean, I think the 49ers are pretty much better everywhere. So yeah, that that's that's the big key to me. And that was what I saw in the Seahawks game. Right. I, in the Seahawks game, I thought those two guys made it really tough. Now down the stretch, they couldn't touch Russell Wilson. I think he's just he's just really that good. But for a majority of that game, and why it looked the way it did originally, was because those two D linemen were taking over that game. All right. So before we get too much further into breaking down, you know, kind of our thoughts on the the 49ers and the Packers and the NFC Championship, we're gonna get a quick word in from our sponsors. Like we said earlier, that's Untuck It. And I'm sure everybody listening at one point has seen someone wearing an untucked button-down shirt. And usually they don't look great. Why? Because they weren't meant to be worn that way. That's just not the way they were designed. Thankfully, there's Untuck It, the original button-down shirt actually designed to be worn untucked. No matter your size, shape, Untuck It shirts always fall at the perfect untucked length. With more than 50 plus fit combinations, Untuck It shirts look great on tall, short, slim, and athletic guys of all ages. I'm a huge person about always being comfortable. Uh, Crocker and I were talking about that before we fired up the podcast. You know, you just just always want to be comfortable. You always want to be warm. You always want to be, you know, just in in your in your zone. And that's why I like untucked shirts. You just know that you're wearing something that is meant that looks good and is meant to be worn that way. So when you're ordering, you're choosing from styles like wrinkle-free button downs, super soft flannels, outerwear, and a lot more. With with Untuck It, your shirts never look baggy, bulgy, too long, or too big. Again, and their websites, it's so easy to use. They even have a whole page devoted to helping you find your fit. So whether you're shopping for the perfect gift or just trying to catch a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untuck It is the way to go. So you got to visit untuckit.com and use the code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. 20% off. That's significant. That's untuckit.com, U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T.com with promo code BLUE, B-L-U-E, for 20% off. So, obviously, we're trying to talk about all these games. You know, the 49ers versus the Packers round one, 49ers, or, or excuse me, Packers versus the Seahawks. And, and it's hard to talk about them without previewing, you know, just kind of blending it into what the 49ers are going to have to do. But if I'm looking at the Seahawks game, and, and I did watch it, and, and like I said earlier, it was a very Seahawks game. You knew they were going to come back. Uh, thank goodness Pete Carroll decided to punt on fourth down with two minutes left, two and a half minutes left. Um, I mean, obviously it was a low percentage play fourth. I think it was like fourth and 12 Russell Wilson had just been sacked, but I mean, you're trying to win the football game and he punts on fourth and 12. I think it was. And there was only two and a half minutes. Yes. Left. Yes. The Seahawks had all three of their timeouts, but you're just giving the ball back to Aaron Rodgers and saying, here, come beat me. You know, and I understand defensive mindset of no, no, we're going to stop them. We'll, we'll leave ourselves some time. And then, you know, we'll put it in Russell Wilson's hands. But that's not what happened. Aaron Rodgers put it in the clutch. He made a huge third down play to Devontae Adams. Adams ran like a corner route, and and Rodgers dropped it right over his shoulder. It was just such a perfect throw. And then just a few plays later, he threw a a clutch throw to uh, Jimmy Graham to convert where the spot was kind of controversial. But to me, I was never all that amped up about it. I, I can understand why Seahawks fans were. Cause it, but it would have it would have made it like fourth and inches, you know, a QB sneak gets it type of deal. It, it, I wasn't all that crazy about that. But Aaron Rodgers went in the clutch, put the game out, and if you just look at 
you know, the, the box score does tell a story against the Seahawks. It tells the story of, of kind of if you watch the game. Uh, Aaron Jones got 21 carries, which is significant. Obviously, it's very cold, so the game's kind of going to lean that way anyways. But he got 21 carries for 62 yards, which isn't crazy. He only averaged three yards a carry, but he scored twice. And at any time, what is interesting about looking at this is that's almost exactly what it looked like when the Vikings beat the Saints. Um, prior to playing the 49ers, Dalvin Cook just had, was had it. He was well into the 20s for the number of carries, and he even didn't. He had a, he even had kind of a, a mediocre yards per carry average, just like Aaron Jones here. But what that tells you is that this offense is predicated off being able to run the football. It doesn't have to be very successful. The first carry of the game was for 23 yards, but they need to run the football. They need to, and and I, obviously, yes, they have Aaron Rodgers, but he only completed 16 passes, and he, he didn't even complete 60% of them. So it wasn't like he carried that game. He did make some very clutch throws, but that offense thrives off running the ball, and I feel like if the 49ers want to stop the Packers, it's the same exact game plan as the Vikings. Obviously, two completely different offenses. Everything's different, but the game plan is the same. Just focus on Aaron Jones, keep him from turning up, and you're going to force Aaron Rodgers to have to throw the ball. And well, um, real quick, so I, I think the game plans are a little more simple because remember, I mean, who are the play callers the last three games, right? So last last game, the Minnesota Vikings is Kubiak, right? Well, who coached on the Kubiak? Kyle Shanahan. Well, who coached on the Kyle Shanahan? Lafleur. <laughs> you know, so like. I think with what these guys want to do, I mean, they're all kind of come from under the same coaching tree. Now, they are going to have their different little things that they like to do. Sure. Like Shanahan, I mean, his dad was Mike Shanahan. But I think the basis of what they want to do, and that's what we're seeing, is these really run-heavy play-action teams. And I don't think there's a coincidence with that. I, I think um, I think it is because they've kind of come from the same coaching trees. Right. And, and I and – I, the reason I'm putting so much emphasis on this game plan or, or the similarities is I feel like the 49ers are much more, much better equipped to impose, impose their will on defense than the Packers are. Sure. The Packers can have a game plan for stopping the 49ers, but I feel like the 49ers offense is much more well-rounded and the Packers defense is not nearly as threatening and, and capable as the 49ers. So I feel like the 49ers have the advantage uh, there. And it, another thing you look at when you look at this game is Devontae Adams, <laughs> former Fresno State wide receiver. I had the pleasure of watching him for three years at Fresno State. Him and Derek Carr just go off. It was so much fun. I was completely spoiled. So it, it always makes me happy to see that he's just developed into one of the league's best. And to me, if you look at this box score and you watch the game, Aaron Rodgers wants to throw to Devontae Adams. He had Devontae Adams at nearly three times the targets of the next highest targeted player, which was Jimmy Graham. And the, the, the Packers offense, it's, it's Aaron Rodgers, it's Aaron Jones, it's Devontae Adams. So, and, and what's interesting is the way the 49ers defense is built, they're going to be pretty good at stopping that run no matter what. And, and a lot of their pressure against the Packers was built off four-man rushes, meaning they're going to try and get after Aaron Rodgers with four guys, and that leaves seven guys somewhere in the secondary. 
in the intermediate to the secondary. And the only guy out there that you really have to worry about, and I don't mean ignore everybody else, the only guy you really have out there that you have to worry about is Devontae Adams. Aaron Rodgers doesn't want to throw to anybody else. He wants to throw to Devontae Adams. So it's there. there's not a whole lot of, like you said, the play calling will vary, but there's not a little, lot of mystery to what the Packers are going to try and do. So it's it's just a matter – to me, it's just a matter of execution. And I don't feel like that first game was necessarily a reflection of what the Packers can do. The Packers have won six games since, six games straight. And sure, some of those wins aren't impressive. You know, they, they squeak by the Seahawks, stuff like that. But their wins are – winning's winning. And so, you know, it, it just to me seems really clear – it's really clear about what the Packers are going to do, or at least who they're going to involve it. I do feel like the Packers are going to try and move Aaron Rodgers out of the pocket. They're going to try and get him moving. They know they can't just have him sit there because with the way these 49ers defensive linemen are playing, and if, if you weren't turned in, tuned in earlier in the week against the Vikings, all five of the 49ers' former first-round picks along the defensive line got sacks. You know, you have – Eric Armstead, DeForest Buckner, Solomon Thomas, Steve Ford, Nick Bosa. All of them got sacks. Bosa got two. So they're gonna eat. They're gonna they're gonna get there. It's just a matter of how the Packers choose to mitigate that. Sure, you can do like a max protect, which is what, like seven or eight guys? What you Yeah, I mean, you know, just yeah, leaving in the tight end and a running back to block. So yeah, you end up having about seven guys. because um, including the quarterback, that would be eight. Shoot, maybe even, yeah, like you said, maybe even, you know, eight guys in the block. And against Niners, you might need all of them. <laughs> right. And and so you're keeping seven or eight guys back to protect. That, at the best, leaves you four. Let's say the 49ers are rushing four. Maybe they rush five. That still puts six in the secondary. You've got two def- defenders just running free, figuring out who they need to double. That leaves you, you know, you're able to double somebody like Devontae Adams. So the Packers are at a decided disadvantage. That doesn't mean that the 49ers should just be able to walk all over the Packers. But the 49ers have a lot of things going from them in this matchup if they execute correctly. But, you know, there's the biggest thing with me as far as tempering expectations, sure, it could get out of hand, but – you never want to count out a guy like Aaron Rodgers. And he has been playing – he hasn't been playing nearly to the caliber that we've kind of come to expect from him. But he's still a guy that has experienced every level of success in the NFL. He's extremely veteran. He's not going to get all that frazzled. You know, he, he they may get after him, but he still knows how to handle that stuff. And so you can't just expect, you know, the, somebody like Aaron Rodgers to roll over. But – it's just there's so many different advantages to me that the 49ers have that it seems like the Packers aren't necessarily going to have an answer for. You know, one of the huge, biggest talking points for the 49ers offense, which we haven't talked a lot about yet, was dealing with Everson Griffin and Daniil Hunter. Well, neither of them went off. And, I, you know, again, it's, they're very, very similar. Now, they've, now they're dealing with Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith. It, it, there's so many similarities between this Packers team and the Vikings that it's just – I feel like the 49ers couldn't have asked for a better tune-up game. You know, it, it's crazy to say that about the playoffs, but that's really all the Vikings were. You know, and it's – it'll be interesting. The Packers coming off a shorter week than the 49ers – traveling across the, the coast to play in different weather that they're not necessarily used to playing in. I don't know, man. What, what are your thoughts, dude? I'm, I feel like I'm talking through this whole episode. What do you, uh, what do you think? 
<laughs> nah, you know, and I was enjoying that. Nah, that was great, great insight. Uh, <clears throat> I think my thing, man, is I think clearly the 49ers are the better team. So, you know, you, you talk about the strengths and weaknesses and all of that, and I, I think we all kind of know where where both teams kind of stand now, right, especially after the first game or, you know, just the Packers in general where, where they've been um, the last month or so that, you know, they got on the streak. I don't think they've lost since the, uh, no, the time they played the 49ers. So, right, um, <clears throat> now they didn't play the best talent, but they, they won every game, right, and, and I think that was a good win against Seattle. Um, I think ultimately it comes down to what do the 49ers have to do to prevent the Packers from winning? And I think it's it's just don't – I mean, obviously, you know, you don't want to turn the ball over. But I think it's like be chaos players. Remember um, the last time the 49 well, the first time Colin Kaepernick played against the Green Bay Packers, uh, Kyle, uh, Colin Kaepernick opened up a pick six. That, that can't happen. Right. We, we don't want that kind of like chaos and, and kind of, you know, get the Packers into the game and make them feel like um, they have what what my coach used to call false courage. Right. False courage is a team that really knows that they're overmatched. But once you, you let them hang around and you let them make plays and they really start to believe like that they can win this game. You don't want them to ever feel like they can win the game. Like Minnesota Vikings, I don't I don't feel like they ever felt like they could win that game. And the Packers, the last person you want to feel like he can win this game is Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers is somebody who you can take him out of the game. Like last game, you could tell like he wasn't he wasn't interested in playing and finishing that game. And you have to do that to him again. You hit him in the mouth a few times, you get him uncomfortable. 49ers come out, punch him in the mouth. I, I, I think that from there, I, you know, I, I don't think that uh yeah, I, I think that's just kind of what it takes to win. You you can't let the Packers have false courage and hang around. And, yeah, just don't turn the ball over early. Come out, get a score. Don't turn the ball over early. And I think the 49ers handle business. I think it's pretty much as simple as that. I think if, you know, if you were to tell me, hey, the 49ers lost, what does that look like? I would say the 49ers turned the ball over three times. Maybe, you know, it was, you know, an interception, a fumble, a block punt. I, I would say something like that. Kind of like some uh, extreme kind of circumstance, circumstances. Right, and that and that brings me that brings up a good point is the 49ers are going to need just a clean game from Jimmy Garoppolo, and and I feel like the Packers defense outside of their pass rush presents you know a decent opportunity for Jimmy Garoppolo to have a good game. The Vikings defense is is much more formidable than the the Packers is. And like I said, it's it's playing at home. Jimmy Garoppolo should be comfortable. He was he was just okay against the Vikings. I think he only threw, the 49ers just were able to turn to their run game. I don't necessarily think Kyle Shannon took the ball out of Jimmy Garoppolo's hands because he was missing some throws. He had some, you know, he had a near pick and then he did have an interception. Um, but I, it just the game plan didn't necessarily require that they go much, you know, that they rely on Jimmy. Correct. I think I think the I think the circumstances of the game dictated the outcome of his performance, if, if that makes sense. I, I think just the way that the game was going and in the way where it was just like, okay, you know, we're, we're up fourteen ten. Okay, we're up, you know, or twenty one ten. Like this, they can't move the ball. They can't do anything. Hey, let's just not lose this game. Let's just run the ball. Now, Brady still tried to lose the game, right? I mean, I think the game was in hand by then, but he did fumble. And that's something where, yeah, that was kind of 
Yeah, right. I, I don't know what's going on with Brady. He's a restricted at the end of the year, too. That's that's kind of a big deal. But um, I, I think it was just more the outcome of the game and the way the game was going that kind of dictated uh, Kyle Shanahan taking the ball out of Jimmy G's hands. I don't think it was because, like, hey, Jimmy threw an interception. Oh, we don't want to lose. Let's just run the ball 47 times. Like, no, he, he hasn't done that all year. Jimmy G has thrown <laughs> several interceptions, and that had never been the case. Matter of fact, he's, all, he's been great after throwing interceptions. They put up a stat – uh, during the Vikings game, where it was like after after Jimmy G threw an interception, he was like thirty six of thirty nine. You know, he completed thirty six out of his next thirty nine passes on the following drive. So I, I've seen that kind of narrative thrown out there that hey, Kyle tried to take the game out of Jimmy G's hands so he doesn't mess no, it up. I, I don't believe that at all. Um, yeah, I, I and and even then, I don't even think Jimmy G has to play a clean game. Just don't lose the game, if that makes sense. Like, I think he can, you know, turn the ball over once, and, I, you know, I think we'll still be fine. It's multiple, you know, turnovers and kind of where and kind of how the game is going. I think that can kind of dictate it. But for the most part this year, he hasn't really done that outside of the Packers game. I mean, the uh, excuse me, the Seahawks game, uh, the first one. And I think even in that game, like I kind of said earlier, they, they let Clowney take over the game. He had like 11 – pressures or hits on the quarterback to sack. He had a a fumble return for a touchdown. Like You can't let someone really destroy your game plan, your your entire game in in that manner. And I think as long as something like that doesn't happen, I think the 49ers are fine. Because even with all of that, even with the the interception, the the eight drop balls or whatever, um, the the drop ball that went for an interception, a fumble return for a touchdown, and another fumble in that territory, the game still went into overtime. Like that that speaks on how good the 49ers are. And that was without George Kittle. That was without Emmanuel Sanders. So yeah, I, I think it really would take a lot to, to beat the 49ers when they're on their A game. Uh, but you just can't no no turnovers. No m- not multiple turnovers. That's you know, things that can kind of lead to points. So no no fumbles return for touchdowns. And I think 49ers are fine. Right. And I, and I agree. And I just I feel like I, I Jimmy Garoppolo was just okay against the Vikings. I don't think I don't feel like any at any point in the season has Jimmy Garoppolo been just okay multiple games in a row. I feel like and, and, and this goes to what Crocker's just talking about. He's a very resilient player. He responds immediately from mistakes or struggles. Uh, he just seems like a very even keel guy, and that in a way. Uh, at times almost makes him boring. He seems boring, but it's a great quality for a quarterback. Um, I used to play a lot of golf too. And one of the best, you know, the biggest skills revolving around golf. And yes, it's probably the furthest thing from football, but it's having a short memory. And, you know, you might hit a bad shot right here, but you can hit the best shot of your life on the very next swing. And that's the same thing with football is really any position you might have failed this play, but that you can you can make you can change the game on the very next play, and I feel like Jimmy Garoppolo is very good at just turning around and responding to whatever the play might be. So he might have made some mistakes and you know gone back and looked at the tape from the Vikings game and, and made some corrections. And sure, it's a different defense, but I feel like he'll respond. I, I do expect Jimmy Garoppolo to have a good game. The the Packers defense is just middle of the road when it comes to defending you know the pass. They allow an average of 232 yards a game. And then against the rush, they're they're one of the worst teams in the NFL. Not, I mean, not, I mean, they're twenty third, so they're in the bottom third essentially. And that plays to the 49ers. The 49ers want to run the ball, and they want to play action, and they want to throw off of it, you know. And 
if the 49ers can get the run game going, which by all intents and purposes, you would think they would be able to. The first time they played the Packers, they they had 22 carries for 112 yards with just 5.1 yards per carry. I mean, that's significant. That's a first down every two time, every two every two carries. You know, and obviously you have you've got some bigger runs in there, but and then Jimmy Garoppolo was able to complete 70% of his passes. He completed 14 for 253 yards and two touchdowns. He hit that bomb to George Kittle. And what was cool about that play is when you saw it, you're like, oh man, Shanahan just schemed Kittle wide open. And then you watch the play and Kittle just put this perfect uh, you know, he ran like a corner post, um, waited for the kind of the DB to to turn his back and get into his blind spot and then Kittle broke it back the other direction, got wide open, and and Jimmy Garoppolo hit him for the touchdown. So I even saw Kittle after the game. I was like, "Hey man, nice nice corner post," and he's like, "Thanks, dude." Like it was just, I, and I you know I've always been a receivers guy. I have such an appreciation for route running. So I was just glad I got to compliment him on that. But it's just a matter of of the 49ers executing. I think if one thing we've talked about throughout this podcast is just the 49ers have the advantage in so many different ways. It's just going to be a matter of executing and not beating themselves. Sure, Aaron Rodgers is more than capable of pulling off miracle plays and making things happen, but the Packers just don't have that much for the 49ers to worry about. If you want to defend the 49ers, you need to stop Jimmy Garoppolo. You need to stop whichever running back is hot at that moment whether it's Raheem, Tevin, uh, you know, whichever. Maybe they bring Brita back into the fold. Who knows? He's been kind of fumbling the ball a little bit. Um, And then you've got George Kittle. You've got Debo Samuel. You've got Emmanuel Sanders. uh, Kendrick Bourne's been playing pretty well, you know, save a couple drops or so. But the 49ers just have such a a more well-rounded team on both sides of the ball. There's just so much more you have to worry about on both sides of the ball. It's, you know, it's – I think even more so than the players that the 49ers have, I think it's the execution on both sides of the ball. The the execution, the the, the people giving up their bodies, you know, on blocking. You know, you see uh, George Kittle take pride in his blocking and opening up those big holes. Um, the Debo Samuel end-around touchdown in the Seahawks game where I saw uh, Emmanuel Sanders downfield blocking. I saw... Uh, Ben Garland go down. He cut somebody way downfield, like 30 yards downfield. I saw um, uh, Juszczyk go down. He took out two people. It, it's I, They have the players, obviously, like the talent, but it's really the execution and on both sides of the ball. 49ers, for the most part this year, have limited the big plays on defense. Um, there have only been a couple instances where they've given up like really big chunk yards, right, and, and kind of fluky type situations, whether it was the – the uh, one to Andy Isabella, the 88-yard touchdown. Uh, the one to Juju Smith, where Kilo kind of missed it, misjudged it or whatever happened. Uh, the uh, pass interference to Julio Jones. Outside of those three plays, I can't really think of too many. Which like, wasn't a pass interference. Right. You know, but I, I can't think of like too many like explosive plays that the 49ers have given up. But on the other side of the ball, the 49ers execute these plays to where they do get these deep shots and they get all these explosive plays. And you don't know who the explosive play is going to come from. So we, sh- we saw uh, Kyle Juszczyk run a slot fade against the against the uh, the Seahawks for like 40 yards or whatever it was. I mean, they, they just have all these players. They use all the weapons to, you know, that player skill set. And they create all these big-time explosive plays. And I think that's more so than anything that makes the 49ers – so difficult to guard. You know, I was talking to um, Desmond Bishop. Bishop, actually, Desmond, he played with the Packers. Uh, he actually won a Super Bowl with them. But 
he we we coach high school football together. He's the defensive coordinator. I'm the defensive back coach. Well, he was talking about how what makes Kyle Shanahan so good is he's like as a linebacker, he tests your uh your discipline because he makes everything look the same. So by the second time you see it, you start wanting to jump it. And he's like, man, I'm just shooting now. So he might shoot and get it, but Kyle knows that, and Kyle's setting it up to where now this third time you're going to see it and you're going to think you're seeing the same thing because it's the same look, and before you know it, it's a play action, and that's where they get their big chunk plays. So, yeah, uh, definitely 49ers have a lot of talented players, but I think it's the execution on both sides of the ball that really makes this team uh, – you know, be so good. Good. Very eloquent, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but it, to me, it's it's like another thing that you got to talk about is, you know, what we talked about last pod where Witherspoon gets pulled because he, you know, he gets benched because he gave up a touchdown uh, to Stefan Diggs. And then he's immediately in the special teams coach's ear, Richard Hightower, saying, hey, give me all of Akello's snaps so Mosley. that he can have his energy for defense and he can show out. Yeah, excuse me. Yeah, for Emmanuel Mosley. And it's – you know, the team's just built different, you know, and, and they just seem like they are the most anti-ego, anti, you know, anybody is more, anybody is, is particularly special. I mean, the biggest goofball on the team is George Kittle, and he begs to not get the ball thrown his way. He wants to block, and he wants to level guys, and that is a selfless act. Blocking is a selfless act. And sure, it draws praise your way, but you're, you're basically – setting yourself up and, and inviting impact and harm right. to yourself so somebody else can make a play. And and for a guy – and obviously tight ends block all the time. That's not necessarily special. But for a guy who currently holds the all-time receiving yards in a season record to want nothing to do with catching the ball because he wants to – dude, he was in that audio clip of 49ers. He was in the huddle talking about how little receiving yards right. he well, had and he was stoked about it. You know, the team's just so selfless, you know, and they have such they have the, such a right mindset to just, you know, do it together. It's it's just impressive to watch from a team building standpoint. And you, you and I can both look at this from coaches as from a coach's standpoint and just, you know, maybe someday I would love to coach a team like that that just has a completely unselfish mindset. Right. Well, so Desmond, Desmond also, he went to the uh, – they had this huge coaches convention in uh, Nashville and a coach from, I think the head coach of uh, Minnesota got up there and he spoke and he talked about how your best player on your team has to be your hardest worker. That has to be your hardest worker because he sets a tone and he sets what it looks like. Well, the 49ers best player is George Kittle and George Kittle. He, we just talked about all the, you know, his selfless acts. Well, if George Kittle isn't complaining about to get the about getting the ball, how can you? So that selflessness spreads throughout the rest of the team, and I think that's why. And they got, you know, they got guys that have that mindset to where, hey, it's not about me. But as long as we all do our job, even Jimmy Garoppolo, it's not about Jimmy G. He doesn't have all these crazy numbers. But as long as their guys just do your job. We're going to do something special. And that's what we've seen so far with how these 49ers have been able to turn it around. And with a lot of the same guys, eventually they just kind of bought into it. And now they're having a special season. And I don't think that there's a – it's no coincidence. Nope. I feel you, man. And it's um, 
it's just been interesting to watch, you know, and, and uh, you brought up another good point where if you're starting quarterback that has one of the great, greatest jaw lines in the NFL is one of your most humble guys on the team, you're doing something right. You know what I mean? Like it's just nobody, it seems like nobody in that locker room has any interest in taking any credit. Like even, even Richard Sherman in his years has gotten to the point where, you know, sure. He, as, as of late, he said a few rants about the fact that people aren't dis- people are still disrespecting him and, and that's his prerogative. But every time he comes to the podium, he's always so ready to talk about other players that did well. And that's just good leadership. So, you know, it's, and the 49ers have a lot of things going for them. Hopefully they can get past the Packers, move on to the Super Bowl. It just seems like a team that deserves to be there. And, uh, and they're doing everything right, and it's just impressive to watch. So, uh, you know, I think that's, that's it for us. You know, it's you guys are going to be listening to this on a Friday morning, uh, meaning we're just a couple days out from the 49ers uh, playing the Packers for the NFC Championship and the right to go to the Super Bowl. Uh, one more win, and they're in the show, guys. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's hopefully you're excited. Hopefully you're pumped up. Uh, if you are going to the game and you know where the Gold Rush section is, like I said, it's in the South Concourse. Um, in that big open area where you walk up the stairs, it's right up against, you know, the back of that lower bowl section. It's not very big. So if you happen to be over there, both me and Crocker with our ladies will be there. Come by, say hi, you know, find us, like search us out, just tap us on the shoulder, whatever it is. I don't care. Find us, say what's up. Um, you know, we'd be happy to meet, meet you guys, take a picture and stuff just cause that I, I love that stuff, man. And just to know we got people here constantly listening to our podcast is humbling enough. So, um, come find us, come say what's up and hopefully whether you're going to the game, whether you're watching it from home, just enjoy it, you know, take in this moment. And, uh, you know, there's only four teams left and the 49ers are one of them. So, um, Croc, you got any closing thoughts before we do the damn thing? Nah, man, I'm, I'm just getting excited, man. I'm getting anxious. Yep, it's almost like that uh, that Christmas feeling. You know, we're adults now, so we don't get to get excited for Christmas. But yeah, this is <laughs> this is as close as we're going to get. So, again, I, I appreciate you guys for being here. I appreciate you guys for listening. Uh, I truly do hope you enjoy uh, Sunday's game. Make the best of it. Like I said, it's it's just it's rare company. There's 32 teams in the NFL, and only four of them are left. So uh, enjoy this game. Uh, again, thank you for listening. Uh, pop on to uh on twitter say what's up you can find me at rob underscore louder you can find croc at eric underscore crocker and that's where we spend a lot of our time so say what's up like i said if you're at the game come by and say what's up it's mandatory okay we we will know we won't know but come by and i appreciate you guys and this is uh this is striking gold signing off Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. 
Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.